absolute power corrupts absolutely. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again. Yeah, that's a sign of the times. And that's my man, Prince. Uh, God rest his soul. Uh, you know, I started to start to show off like, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. A quote 
that Prince um, pushed out there on um, Super Bowl Sunday when he did the uh, uh, Super Bowl halftime show. But uh, I want to just play the full one of my favorite Prince's songs, Sign of the Times, uh, which is so apropos for now. It's a tough week. It's been a tough year for icons, excuse me, icons in the music industry passing away. David Bowie, Glenn Fry, um, Prince, just to name a few. Um, and I'm not even talking about uh, in, in the uh, Hollywood. I'm talking, that's just in the music industry, right off the top of my head. We're losing a lot, uh, and it, way too soon in my opinion. Prince is 57, 58 years old, way too soon to um, pass on to the um, to the better life, I call it. But uh, his time was up, and, and the Lord called him, and it was t- his, his time to go. And uh, everybody doesn't have the same clock. You like to think that you can li- live a long and uh, a glorious life, whether it's uh, to 100, 110 years old. But um, in the grand scheme of things, that's not how it happens, unfortunately. And whatever our time on this earth is, is what our time on this earth is. Whether it's one minute, one second, one day, one week, one hour, one year, uh, one decade, two decades, or so on and so forth. Or you reach the century mark if you're fortunate enough to get there. Um, No one has a no one has the 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 um same clock the time clock stops for each one of us differently unfortunately and then you know it's God's will and you just have just have to take it from there so with that being said let's jump in here and uh bring in um I think it's my esteemed co-host on Thursday uh, Jeff, and see what he has to say there. Welcome there, uh, 973. I think this is Jeff. What's up, my man? Uh, You're absolutely right, my friend. Uh, yeah, uh, you and I are two of many people upset about the passing of Prince. And oh, man. You know, he was breaking out as a big crossover star when I was in high school, and that was when I was getting really interested in music. Right. And a lot of my friends were into him, which was kind of cool. Because, I mean, if you like somebody, you really dig it. But when, you know, you you got friends who also like him, it makes it a lot more fun. And, right. and this was, you know, pre-internet days, you know, where uh, information was hard to come by. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, an incredible musical talent. And, and But the thing is, as much talent as he, he was blessed with, he also was a very hard worker, you know. Oh, extremely, I mean, extremely hard. I mean, like, people don't get that. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it's both. And most people aren't blessed with that much talent and that much work ethic. And, right. uh, I, I mean, I, I, I could do a five-hour show about Prince. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I had all his 80s albums. And after that, my interest was a little more sporadic. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I got into other things, but also... I, I didn't always like what he was doing, but some of his stuff that, you know, maybe the critics or some of the fans didn't like was good. Like the critics slam love sexy. That was a good album. I mean, right. I guess it gets judged by a higher standard cause it's Prince, mm-hmm. but, um, 
you know, the thing is, uh, it's funny you said, you know, hey, when, you know, God calls your number, because Prince was, was very spiritual, even when, you know, you know, half his albums, at least half his albums would be about sex. He was always very spiritual. And yep. more recently, he, he became a Jehovah's Witness, which he did drop certain songs from his set list. Because as soon as I heard he was Jehovah's Witness, I'm like, well, there goes half his songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you're uh, right. Et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, uh, a, a close associate of Prince and someone he had a re- close relationship with, Vanity passed away uh, earlier this year. Yep, yep. Uh, she was supposed to be in Purple Rain because he, he started her group, the Vanity Six, which, you know, shortly before Purple Rain, uh, they had a falling out. So then she got replaced by Apollonia, and then uh, Vanity Six became the Apollonia Six. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, they're reunited, uh, hopefully, in heaven. And uh, she she uh, got messed up with drugs. And, uh, but then she, she, you know, became an evangelist, you know, she really cleaned up her act mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it's funny cause you know, you know what I hate whenever somebody dies relatively young, especially if they die very young, like younger than Prince, people are always like saying, Oh, was it drugs? Was it this? Was it that? You know what I'm saying? It's almost like they're blaming the victim, which, okay. Right. Right. Sometimes that might be the case, but sometimes it's not, you know? And, and I remember because uh, uh, fortunately, I lost two close friends in my 20s, and one of them, you know, somebody was kind of hinting that he was uh, messing with the hard stuff. And I said, excuse me, you know, right. I knew him very well. I mean, and that's another cliche. Whenever somebody messes around with, like, you know, hard drugs and dies, everyone's like, oh, I, I had no idea. You know, meanwhile, you know, dude's got track mark on his arms. Like, I, I didn't know he was messing with that. I, mm-hmm. I know this cat very well. We were very close. He was not messing with the hard stuff. He mm-hmm. just had an aneurysm and you know he was healthy as a horse he gets up from breakfast one day and that that was it you know um and but you know somebody was trying to say like he was you know he brought that on himself and that that would that couldn't be further from the truth and you know of course with prince people are saying i i shouldn't even repeat this you know drugs which he was always against drugs i hope he wasn't messing with drugs because then it taints the decades of staying away from it, which, you know, people refer to drug addiction as musician's disease, you know? Right. So, and I think that was why Prince was able to be so productive because, you know, you want to compare apples and apples. People compare Prince to uh, Michael Jackson because they were huge stars, but the more accurate comparison is Rick James because they were really contemporaries and played similar styles of music. Um, and the drugs really messed up uh, Rick James. And Prince was Big able time. to stay away from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, well, Rick James passed away a few years back. You'd think he was a few years younger than Prince. And then, of course, you know, people are saying uh, HIV, you know, he said AIDS or whatever, which Prince mm-hmm. has always been skinny. He he was, a, you know, always skinny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think if he had AIDS, I don't think he would have been on tour. And and what if he did have AIDS? I mean, what, mm-hmm. what does that make? make him less of a person or something i i, I don't i don't think uh aids because uh, I, I don't think he would have toured with aids uh you could but the thing is when you go on tour um if you miss a gig that's a real harsh financial penalty you don't want to take that chance right so um but you know pr- besides and prince was just one of these guys he was also a guy like john gruden he didn't sleep a lot he worked with so many other artists you know and i mean really work with them like uh with the time, which was a great group, um, 
and you know his day, you know Morris Day was his rival in the movie Purple Rain, but uh, in reality it was Prince who put them together. Yep. Uh, and he wrote their songs, and, and really had a lot of control, and that caused a lot of friction later on. And uh, they opened for him on a couple of his tours, uh, and uh, you know he went uh, in for his uh, you know breakthrough 1999 <clears throat> tour. It was the time and Vanity Six were opening for him, you know, and pretty, you know, he he pretty much called all the shots with both of those groups, and, and also hey. some of the guys from the time went on to be real successful, like Jimmy Jam and uh, Terry Lewis, um, big time producers and songwriters, but they they got kicked out of the time, uh, but uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, Prince has just worked with a ton of other artists. Uh, just well, uh, so speaking of songs. speaking of that, just since since we're on that subject. And I didn't realize it, and I, I don't know, for whatever, I Googled, Googled uh, the songs that Prince wrote. Um, and it was, uh, uh, it was it surprised me that uh, he wrote for uh, quite a few uh, people, um, and I, I, in no particular order. He wrote uh, one of Sinead O'Connor's um, hit songs. Uh, yeah. And, and he wrote... Uh, a, a song for Cindy Lauper. He wrote a song for uh, um, Stand Back. Uh, and I'm trying to think of the artist um, who, who sang Nicks. it. Excuse me. Is that Stevie Nicks? Uh, Stand Back. No. I'm trying to think who that but, was. I, I think that was a different song called Stand Back. But he he was friendly with Stevie Nicks. I don't know if he wrote a song for her. Uh, he wrote um, a song for, for, for um, uh, uh, Sheila E. That was a hot yeah. song. He wrote a yeah, song yeah. for Sheila Easton. Uh, Sidney Lauper, Madonna. I mean, uh, um, I'm trying to think. uh, I think he also wrote a song for, um, oh, my God. I I can't believe it. The Bangles. That's it. The Bangles. Um, He wrote a song for uh, uh, not Sinead O'Connor. Yes, she did, but I'm talking about Celine uh, Delone. Uh, You'd be surprised some of the the songs that – um, other than the songs that he had and he wrote, and he, supposedly he's got a whole slew of songs that he's never released that a are still vault, sitting out literally there. A, yeah. Literally, a vault filled. And, you know, he's outside of Minneapolis. He has his Paisley Park, uh, right. you know, where he has a studio. I think he lives there, too. Uh, yes. That, and uh, that also he had his own record label, which was also called Paisley Park. And, uh, I, you know, I saw this before he passed that, you know, literally a vault filled with stuff. And you wonder, you know, especially now that he, you know, he passed, what's going to happen. I'm curious who his heirs are. I mean, he, he's been divorced a couple of times. I don't think he has kids. He does no, he have doesn't. family. I don't right. know how close. Now, he had a brother, Dwayne, who, who he was close with. If you ever see that picture of Prince when he was on a basketball team, mm-hmm. uh, his, his brother, Dwayne, is also in that picture. You got to see the larger version. Um, but okay. Dwayne passed away a couple of years ago, so I, he I don't. Prince does have a sister. Yeah, he 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 has he has a lot of brothers and sisters, I think. But you don't know how close they are. I think right. he ended up getting sued by at least one of those people. You know, you don't know. So well, I, I just hope I, that I, there's I read, somebody who's going to take yeah, good care of his legacy. You know. Well, I, I read I read well yesterday. I think I read um, that um, they don't know if he has a uh, a will. And if he doesn't have a will, then the um, then all the the whole estate uh, goes to his sister because that's his closest living relative. 
Um, yeah. I think so. And, and uh, I don't know if you noticed or not, Jeff, but uh, they already cremated him and already um, did a service for, for, for Prince yesterday. Yeah. Um, so. that, that I wasn't aware of, but doesn't surprise yeah. me. And I'm sure he was a very private guy. So I'm sure a lot of that was very private. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, now, cause I'm curious. My thing is with a lot of the artists on the Paisley uh, park label, those CDs went out of print and to me, I hate to see stuff go out of print mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm not saying that they turn loose everything in the vault, but I like to see all the CDs get put back into print because there's a, you know, that was a pretty good label. Not everybody took off, but, you know, and there was even people, you know, from, you know, outside Prince's Circle. I mean, George Clinton re- recorded at least one uh, disc for uh, Paisley Park. Uh, oh, is that right? Know, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think it was just one. Uh, Mavis Staples uh, did, did at least one. I think she did more than one for uh, Paisley Park. And a lot of the Paisley Park people were kind of like Prince's, quote, creations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but you know, you know, it's crazy in the late eighties when he was putting that together, you know, there's a real facility, there's a studio, there, there's, you know, video there, band rehearsal space, everything, pretty much anything an artist would need. So this was a real major project and he got a lot of criticism for it, you know, cause you know what it is with some of these people, you know, you, you can't wake up in the morning without them telling you, saying you did it wrong. You know, once you, you know, you're big and famous like Prince, you know? And um, one journalist who I think was a little more neutral made a great observation that at that point, if if Prince would have rented a hotel suite and snorted millions of dollars worth of cocaine, that'd be okay. But to invest millions of dollars into this studio, which ended up making money, that's not okay. Right. I was like, yeah, that's that's unfortunately that that's a pretty pretty right observation, and and supposedly. That was why he did the Batman soundtrack, which is not one of his better albums. I mean, it, it had hits, it, it sold, but it, it, most fans don't dig it because supposedly he needed the cash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Oh, oh so, is that right? I didn't know that. Yeah, <clears throat> and, and I swear, the first time I heard Bat Dance, which it was a hit, it wasn't that great. He says, get the funk up. And I could have sworn, and I think it was intentional. It sounded like he was saying something else. Sure, I'm absolutely. I'm thinking to myself. Absolutely. I, I'm thinking to myself. There's no way he he's they're playing that on the radio. So I'm like, okay. But I I and, and some artists do that intentionally. They 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 don't want the lyrics to be too clear. Right. And, right. And, and, and that. Well, I gotta believe that that, uh, and he did that. He's done that more than once in, in throughout the years and through his songs that he really pushed the envelope. Um, and, and if you really listen to his lyrics, you, you would know exactly how much of a pushing of the envelope he, he had, he would do in the songs. So, um, well, just like you said, there's a lot of them are very erotic in, in, in nature. Um, um, and, and a lot of them had, uh, 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 a, 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 a lot of them had social messages in them also like, uh, yeah. uh the sign of, sign of the times. Um, yep. I'm trying to think what the other one I would think of. Um, um, I'm trying to think what else. I know the sign of the times hat. If you listen to those lyrics, it, there's, there's some serious lyrics in there. So that's one of, one of the reasons right. I now, opened up with that the, song. So I, I, I liked that song because, to me, he was singing about different subject matter, not just about what happened in his bedroom the night before. Right. And, and you know, not that every song has to have serious social content, but it was something I wanted to hear from Prince and it just, cause to me after a while I got, 
I kind of got tired about all those songs about sex, which I'm ashamed yeah. to admit it, but it's like, you know, because it's like when you're a kid, you love it, but then it's like, okay, you kind of put that in perspective, and no pun intended, it was like, I grew, but he didn't, you know? Right, uh, right. It, it, and, uh, you know, the thing is, you know, like any artist, no matter how talented, has influences, and one of Prince's big influences was Sly Stone, and Sly was known for that social commentary. Mm-hmm. And another guy who got messed up bad with the drugs, and you know maybe that was one of the reasons Prince stayed away real, from it. I real was wondering if up. Prince tried to reach reach out to him, and, and also in the rock world, the drugs are more tolerated than another. But but Sly ruined not just himself; he ruined his career with that because he kept missing gigs, and that's what you can't do. You right. can't miss gigs because the financial penalties are too harsh, and. Uh, and then the promoters hated his guts, and you know, he, you know, because you know nobody wants a riot because the guy doesn't show up or he shows up three hours late. Right. And you know, Sly was known for that social commentary, and, and I wondered if Prince was ever going to get deep into that. He dabbled in it, but he didn't get too deep into it for whatever mm-hmm. reasons. And the thing is, with mm-hmm. Sly, his music was so good it doesn't sound dated. But supposedly, when Prince, you know, he was a guy definitely pushing the envelope. You know, that when he was putting his his band together. Um, cause you know, he was playing all the instruments in the studio, he, he, but he needed people to tour with, you know, he was just using a band for the backup vocals in the studio that, um, when he was putting a band together, like, like Sly and the Family Stone, he wanted white guys in the band. He wanted women in the band, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. supposedly that was why, you know, um, he wanted Bobby Z to play drums, which, you know, a couple people said he wasn't that great of a drummer, but, you know, Prince really wanted a white drummer like Sly had, um, you know, uh, then uh, he, in Prince even, he he upped Sly because Prince had a, a couple of gay girls in the band, you know, and because right. Prince was edgy. And, you know, the way he was as, you know, a band leader, you know, he needless to say, he was very controlling and, you know, that led, but that, that happens with strong personalities uh, frequently that, you know, and this is one of the things about Prince is, you know, this, when you go to see Prince live, you're not going to see a bunch of guys in jeans, sneakers, and T-shirts. Because, and I think that might be more of an R&B thing than a rock thing, you know. And um, But that's cool. You know, it's like, hey, you know, uh, you're paying good money to see these people. They shouldn't look like they should have cups in their hands, you know. So, uh, you know, Prince always want he always got dressed or half-dressed for his performances, you know, he wasn't just wearing jeans and t-shirts and, uh, same for the, his musicians. He was the same way. And he tried to get them to, you know, uh, dress provocatively. Uh, and not everybody was into that, but he also, he wanted them to wear, uh, provocative clothes, just walking around. I think, you know, I guess as part of that is just looking the part. And also before he made it, you know, you see somebody walking around in their underwear, you know, practically in a hotel. You know, oh, who are you? Oh, I play with a band. We're playing at this club tonight. Check us out. You know, I think that was part of it, you know. Um, and something I noticed about Prince's bands, you never see a guy just like standing there looking at his shoes. And there's no way that's a coincidence. Because cause that's like, that that's kind of like another thing, like R&B versus rock, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're in Prince's band, you're going to be you're going to be playing your butt off. You're also going to be singing a lot because he liked 
people who could also do backup vocals. That was a very important part of the sound. And you also had to move your feet. I right. mean, uh, I mean, you didn't have to be a break dancer or nothing, but you, you weren't going to stand in one spot all night. And, and, hey, that's good entertainment, you know? So, And he, he pushed his bands and the bands he worked with, like The Time, to, to you know, to, to – to work the crowd, to be entertaining, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, as, I mean, as long as, you you know, you're playing your instrument, you know, anything else you do is extra, you know, and, and people are paying money, you know, you shouldn't be looking at your shoes all night. Well, that's true. Um, okay. Uh, we spent about a half an hour or so, whatever, on it, but the, I, I, I definitely had talked to Victor yesterday, and I told him <clears throat> I was going to talk about Prince today. Um, I only loaded up one song. I was going to load up a couple more. Um, Got busy this morning, last night. Didn't get a chance to load up more, but uh, that that uh, the the one I did play was one of my favorite Prince's uh, songs, besides Purple Rain and um, um, Kiss. What Kiss Kiss is in my in my opinion is a pretty fun song to listen to. So, um, so did, did, I have some favorites, but The Sign of the Times is probably one of my best songs that I, I like to uh, listen to. Uh, it's got a nice nice to it and then it says a lot within the song so I wanted to put start that off uh, this morning with that <clears throat> with that being said uh, what I did wanted to do excuse me what I did want to do I should say um, is uh, talk about uh, what the heck has been going on Jeff since we, since we didn't get a chance to talk on Thursday what the heck has been going on in the NFL? And I don't know uh, if it's, if, if it's going to happen, but the first two picks have been scuttled for all intents and purposes by the people who originally uh, was awarded them or uh, really earned them in their non-play of last year in 2015 and pushed them off to other teams and, I, and maybe that's a bad way of saying it, but if they push them off to other teams to garner more picks, I'm talking about the Rams picking up the first pick, uh, and it, we all know they're going to take a quarterback, and the uh, Eagles taking the second pick from the um, Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns move down to eight, takes takes the Eagles spot, and pick up a, a bunch of picks, and like the Rams uh, move down to the 15th spot, and the Titans uh, um, uh, replaced the Rams at that position. And, and quite naturally, the Titans and the Browns pick up a, a slew of hits, a slew of picks, I should say. Uh, the Rams pick up, uh, um, excuse me, the Titans pick up six picks within the 76 first picks. And the uh, uh, Browns pick up. Uh, have a total of 12 picks within the first 100. Those two teams, um, in, in my opinion, are, I wouldn't say miles apart, but they have um, the Titans, who've picked up uh, quite a few picks, have uh, a chance to be a lot closer, to be competitive, extremely competitive in their division versus their Brown. Browns, who I feel have a long way to go to be competitive, uh, starting with uh, uh, revamping their offensive line and 
their offense completely. I put it that way. Uh, supposedly they got a quarterback in Robert Griffin the third. They're probably going to pick up another quarterback in this draft, whether it be in somewhere in the first round. Uh, quite naturally, I'm pretty sure they're going to pick up at least one more quarterback in the later rounds. Who knows where? Um, I'm pretty sure they have an idea who who they're going to target or have an idea of a couple of them, uh, A and B and C and D plans, just in case they don't pan out. But uh, uh, I said this to Victor yesterday, and I, I heard this on the NFL Network or ESPN, whatever it was. The last time the first two picks were dealt away, the third pick was, was also dealt away. So, and and San Diego has been getting calls, maybe not as many calls as before Cleveland dealt their pick, uh, but they are getting calls on, on dealing that, that third pick. Um, I wanted to go through a mock draft, uh, but I want to get your thoughts on what's the heck's been going on with the top two picks and uh, your thoughts before we go into this mock draft that I want to do uh, um, and, and your thoughts on Thursday. Okay. I, I, I really like, you know, uh, the Titans and, and, and the Browns, what they did uh, because I think these top two quarterback prospects are four-star guys, not five-star. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yes, you do need a quarterback to win, but overpaying for the wrong guy is not the way to go. And, I mean, I could see if there was, a, you know, an, an Andrew Luck-type talent, and he was, you know, it was very clear when he was coming out that he, he was a great prospect. If it was somebody like him coming out, I could see putting a package together, but I, I, overpaying for the wrong guy isn't, isn't going to give you a great quarterback. Uh, it really sets you back, I think. So that's – I mean, Titans already got a quarterback. So, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it, it, they held out for a good deal, and I think that's going to help them. And, uh, you know, Cleveland has needed a quarterback forever, but neither one of these guys looks like a great prospect. I mean, the, the one guy from North Dakota State, obviously a little less than two years' experience. And the big thing is he's coming from the small school, real small, Division two. And, yes, there have been small school quarterbacks, but not a top one or top two pick, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. Flacco, very good. He was a second rounder. Um, you know, he was a Delaware. Uh, I, he did start at Pittsburgh, I think. I mean, Phil Sims from Moorhead State, one A school. Uh, mm-hmm. He was about, uh, I think, about 10th pick in the draft, which was a little high. But, uh, you know, Giants didn't give up an arm and a leg to trade up for him. Uh, there have been others, uh, Steve McNair from one AA school. Uh, he was he was a high pick. He was a pretty high. Pick. I can't remember, but he, I don't think he was number one. And I don't think they, I don't think they traded up. I don't. So and then the other guy, Goff, he's got four years experience, but but only from the shotgun. So I was trying to think of a guy to compare him to, and it's probably Alex Smith because he was coming from the same type of system. And you know Smith is a a, a good quarterback, you know, uh, not, but I don't think his play merited a number one pick in the entire draft. You believe that and, Jeff before, but not to, I, I'm going to, I just want to put this in there and then I'll, I'll let you speak. Keep on going. Yeah. Alex Smith in that same draft, Alex Smith was number one pick and um, 24th Aaron pick Rogers, Aaron Rogers. Unbelievable. That, that is like mind boggling to me, but go ahead. I'm sorry. 
Oh, excuse me. I got to sneeze. Uh, uh, there, uh, there it went. All right. Um, but, yeah, and it just goes to show you the inexact science of drafting, and people tried to figure out how come Rodgers dropped, and uh, he thinks, or somebody close to him, they, he got a lot of coaching, which players get, you know, uh, before the combine, and he might have come across as too cocky. It might have turned off some teams, mm-hmm. and uh, and it might have been a mixed blessing for him because it gave him three years to uh, develop and, uh, and and get humbled. Yes, and he he admitted that, and it put him with a good team, kind of like yep. with Dan Marino. Dan Marino had a big drop in the draft just because of rumors. He never got right. messed, caught up. He never got caught with drugs. But I think right. you know. When you have a disappointing senior year, because he went into his senior year as like a, probably the top Heisman candidate, right? And because of that, it was like, what's the problem? What's the problem? And you know, he didn't have the option of coming out after his junior year. So, the, strictly rumors, uh, and uh, so because of that, and this doesn't happen, he was a, a top tier quarterback prospect going with the team uh, who's just coming off an AFC championship. That doesn't happen too often. Right. And and they gave him a chance to start right off the bat. Second year has his uh, historic year and brings that, brings them uh, back to the Super Bowl. Because the the problem is most great quarterbacks start their career with lousy teams. Exactly. And and Marino was smart that you know yeah he was ticked off because you know he co- cost him a lot of money dropping in the draft like that. But he you know he got in great shape. He got to camp on time, which back then was rare because a lot of guys had to hold out, um, and just killed it from day one, you know, because he's like, hey, I'm going to prove everybody wrong. Some guys, it's almost like they want to prove everybody right, you know, so, uh, mm-hmm. and then the rest is NFL history. Yep. All right. Well, like I said, I want to go down this draft, and uh, I guess I'll hit the, the first five, and every five, I'll get your comments on that. Um, quite naturally, like I said, the first two picks are going to be uh, quarterbacks, and that's almost a no-brainer. I'd be extremely surprised, and probably uh, 99% of the people would be extremely surprised if one of the first two picks um, was anything else other than a quarterback. So uh, uh, without further ado, uh, Los Angeles Rams take uh, uh, number one pick for Jared Goff, uh, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles in turn take their quarterback who they're enamored with uh, supposedly, and that would be uh, Car- Carson Wentz. Uh, both these quarterbacks, I guess, uh, for all intents and purposes, and I'll just put this in quotation marks, uh, will compete for the job considering they're the, they're the one and two picks uh, in the draft, and most one and two picks, especially the quarterbacks, are pretty anointed at being the um, starting uh, right away for their respective teams. But each one of these teams that are going to be drafting these two quarterbacks have said they have a starting quarterback already. The Los Angeles Rams being uh, Casey Keenum. Uh, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles say that uh, Sam Bradford, uh, who's not too supposedly not too happy about um, uh, the Eagles drafting a quarterback, even though he did get an extension to sign the contract and it, basically a one-year contract with an option, a two-year with an option for the second year. Um, that uh, he's going to be the starting quarterback for the Eagles. Uh, but I got to believe that uh, one and two in the in the draft 
if they show any kind of ability or close to ability or they wind up being even, let me put it this way. If they look like they're, they're quarterbacks, even though they're drafted one and two, that need to see, sit a year, and a lot of people have said that these two guys are going to be uh, sitting, meaning golf and Wentz, for at least a year while the bridge quarterbacks, Keenum and Bradford, play this season. If they go in a training camp and look like they're about even with, with their, in quotation marks, starting quarterbacks in Case Keenum, and Sam Bradford, well, if they're even, why start the veteran um, if they're even? Uh, if they're behind and they're going to stay, you can feel they're going to stay behind because of lack of experience and ability uh, and not being ready yet, then quite naturally they're going to be a sitting. But if they're even in the play of the, in quotation marks, like I said, starting quarterback for these respective teams, and then in my opinion, and I'm going to get your opinion on this, Jeff, you throw them out there because if they're even, then it, then more than likely they can only get better because you know what you got with Case Keenum and Sam Bradford because you got uh, film on them. These guys, if they're even with, with experienced quarterbacks that have been in, in the league for a while, in, in my opinion, would only get better with more experience and live play during the season. So you put them in there. And you go from there, can you, always, you can always fall back on your um, supposedly starting quarterbacks. What's your thoughts? You know, that's, I've heard that discussed and debated. I, I think, you know, I guess you got all the training camp to figure that out. Uh, right. Because once in a while, because these rookies can be very raw, they might need an extra month or two mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a development. Because, I mean, some of these guys – have a lot of experience, but the, the college passing game is much simpler than the NFL game. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. it, it, it's very rare to see a high-pick quarterback sit for an entire year. Yep. But, I mean, sometimes if the guy's not ready and you put him in, you know, first game taking the snaps, he's going to get clobbered. And, 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 and then that could be uh, become a confidence issue. Uh, Eric now, Carr. Yeah, yeah. Um uh, in Philly, you know, they got an interesting situation because Sam Bradford is getting paid pretty good money. I'm curious if uh, they would uh, trade him to the Jets, but I think he's making more than what they want to pay for a quarterback because, um, you know, the, the the Jets quarterback drama is still uh, playing out. Joke. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, of course, you know, you hear about it on the New York talk radio. I swear to God, it's easy for me to say it's not my cash, but if I was the Jet owners, I'd be like – you know what? This guy's coming off a big year. He mm-hmm. only—he he just wants a one-year deal. He doesn't want a ten-year deal. I bite the bullet and give him the money. He is coming right. off an excellent season. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, with quarterbacks, it's—I I hate to use this comparison. It's kind of like uh, teenage girls. Once you get a bad reputation, you can't shake it. <laughs> you know? I'm serious. Like uh, you're right. I'm serious. You're know, right. Like Fitz, Fitzpatrick could could have you know a season. 50 touchdown passes, no interceptions, you know, 6,000 yards. I'm like, well, you know, that guy used to be a turnover machine. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's bounced around a lot, too. You know, they just can't shake it, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, Phillip Rivers, I-, I think he's much better than a lot of people give him credit for. I know That's he's had some here. off years, some inconsistency, but once he got that, that rep, forget it. He's dead to some people. It's like, you know, get, get, 
you know, judge people on their merit, not just some nonsense you heard five years ago. Right. Um, so, um, you know, uh, I, but there, there might, you know, it's funny because uh, there's been a lot of trade action, and, and sometimes it doesn't happen until push comes to shove on draft day. So uh, there, there might be a lot of uh, trades. I mean, I'm hoping the Giants might trade down because it looks like if the, the guys that are top of their list are all gone, hey, they could trade down a little and maybe end up with two guys. And the thing is that uh, they've got a few needs. So that that's almost the, the good thing about being a lousy team is you have multiple needs. So it makes it harder to go wrong on draft day. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, but a lot of teams have done it at, at the top of the draft. A lot of teams have, have uh, uh, um, not done well drafting. Uh, just look at the Cleveland Browns. How many times have they been at the top of the draft and and and, and not done well? So, uh, and I just that's a, just an example. There's other other examples, but uh, quite naturally, uh, the Cleveland Browns organization uh, throughout the years has not been has not been and has not done well um, drafting players and, and having those players um, pan out. Uh, the, I think one of the worst drafts they had was Justin Gilbert and Johnny Manziel. Two dra- two two picks in the first round, and both of them are were busts, duds. Uh, and uh, that's one of the reasons why uh, you see what you see now. They have Hugh Jackson here, um, and uh, a, a revamped uh, front office to see if they can finally uh, purge what they what what's taking place. Uh, in the past years and uh, do better uh, going forward. All right, let's move to the uh, third pick. Now, this is oh, this this part of this draft here. All, all the all the parts are only because of where they stay. Uh, I can't predict if they're going to be um, uh, any trades, uh, which quite naturally can, can take place either before or and during the draft. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm just going by what I see right now. So I, I'm thinking it, that the uh, uh, in the th- third hole, the uh, San Diego Chargers can go one of two ways. They can get a DB because supposedly this guy is the best um, best uh, player in the draft outside of um, uh, Will Smith. I think it's Will Smith, uh, Miles Smith, the guy from um, Notre Dame who's hurt and probably won't, uh, uh, well, won't, will not play this year. Um, I'm talking about Jalen Ramsey, the cornerback from the um, uh, Ohio State, not Ohio State, but Florida State. Uh, he, he can play cornerback and even even play safety. He's pretty pretty athletic cornerback, uh, or they can go. Speaking of the aforementioned uh, Philip Rivers that you're talking about, who's gotten pounded uh, time and time again, and always they always seem like they need help on the offensive line. Um, they can go to a uh, Lamry Tunsil, uh, who's supposed to be the best offensive tackle, left tackle at that, uh, from Mississippi, uh, to go to the um, San Diego Chargers. So if the San Diego Chargers stay in in uh, the number three hole. I think they're going to uh, um, decide that they need to protect their franchise quarterback um, who, when he's upright and not pressured, 
can be a very good quarterback, and I agree with you about Philip Rivers. Um, me on the positive side, not on the negative things that that have been said. So I think they're going to go with Larry Tunsil, and in that case, going to the four hole. Now this is very interesting because I said this to Vic yesterday, and I'll say it again today that the I think this is going to be one of the key spots in the draft because the Dallas Cowboys, uh, because of the way things have been, um, uh, um, things have happened over the last week, two, two weeks in the trading, and that you know that the first two picks uh, were are going to be quarterbacks versus one was going to be a quarterback quite nastily and supposedly one was going to be an offensive tackle. If, if the Titans had stayed at first, they, they were more than likely going to take to somebody to protect Marcus Mariota. Well, that's not happening now. Now it's going to be two quarterbacks, so everything has been pushed down and players have been pushed down. And depending on and, – and I think it's depending on what the Chargers do. So if the Chargers, like I say, take Laramie Tunsil, then the Cowboys have a choice here, uh, a choice in two, three, three different directions, two of them to Ohio State, one of them to Florida State. Uh, so if the Chargers take Laramie Tunsil, Tunsil, I'm sorry, then the uh, Cowboys do need help in the back uh, defensive backfield, and they could take Jalen Ramsey. The Cowboys do need help because they have two of their pass rushers that suspended for the first four games of this season, and they could take Joey Bosa. And the Cowboys could take the arguably the uh, best player available and one that would, would probably excel behind that offensive line in a running back in Ezekiel Elliott. So depending on what the Cowboys do, because I think they can go three different ways here. If San Diego takes Laramie Tunsil, that they can take Ramsey, Elliott, or Bosa. And I've been, and I, and the life of me, uh, I say if they take, uh, if San Diego, San Diego takes Tunsil, it wouldn't surprise me if the Cowboys took Elliott, but I think because of the, uh, uh, what they absolutely need at this point and, and probably would be better off with, uh, I would think they take, would take Joey Bosa in, in a four hole. And that would leave, uh, the, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars with no Joey, Joey Bosa. Um, they would have a choice of Miles Jack or Jalen Ramsey, and I think they would go on the side of a Jalen Ramsey because they have, and I can't remember the guy's name that got hurt in the ACL last year, who's an out, who's a linebacker and he's coming back, uh, a linebacker defensive lineman or something. I forget who he is. Um, um, and I think they would take uh, somebody in the defensive backfield, and that would be Jalen Ramsey versus um, Miles Jack, uh, and that's who I would go there. Uh, and I'd go one more, uh, and I think they need this guy because uh, uh, I'm talking about the, the sixth pick, which is the um, a Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they would go to a, a player that they need a pass rush from, and that would be DeForest Buckner. So I got – and on the next pick will be another set, another fifth to fifth pick. I would go with uh, the seventh pick. I should say, be Ronnie Stanley, 
who who's uh, uh, San Francisco 49ers. They need somebody to try to protect their quarterback, whoever it is, uh, because the quarterback, um, uh, uh, the offensive line play, they need to replace guys that have lost, and they're trying to reestablish an offensive line so uh, uh, Chip Kelly can run his um, his offense. So I would think they would take Ronnie Stanley. So three to seven, Laramie Tunsil to the Chargers, Jalen Ramsey to the uh, – um, um, no, I said Joey Bosa to the uh, Cowboys, um, Jalen Ramsey to the um, – uh, uh, Jaguars, DeForest Buckner to the Ravens, and Ronnie Stanley to the Niners. What's your thoughts, Steph? Yeah, you know, it, it, some of these teams, uh, especially Dallas, it, it, it's hard to predict what they're going to do. Uh, and, and sometimes they want it that way. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you, though, the it seems like, you know, besides the, the, the two top quarterback prospects, the top Eight or so rated guys. I mean, I haven't been following that close. Look like real studs, you know. Yep. So, yep. And and the thing is, you can't go wrong with major talent. You know what I'm saying? Right. Now, right. The, and the and this is a team, you know, like Dallas is one of those teams. They're usually around 500, but they got a lot of publicity for a 500 team. Now, now they, they have, they have. Uh, you know, a pretty good duo at running back. They they signed uh, Fred Morris, excuse me, and they're bringing back uh, Darren McFadden. I don't know, based on their salaries, if they're looking to take a running back early. But I'll tell you, Elliot, man, whew, uh, yes. he, he looks like a real winner. I mean, uh, the kid from Alabama, he's good, but I don't – I think people wonder how good he's going to be on the NFL level. And and to me, sometimes you know, and and the, I hate to do it, but some of these other recent Alabama running backs haven't been so hot. Uh, take Trent Richardson, please, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But I think I yeah, you know, I wonder about it. It's kind of like when I was a kid with some of the USC running backs. Some were great, but some were just the beneficiaries of playing for the best team. So right, you know, yeah, Marcus Allen was a great pro, which some people didn't think, but Charles White wasn't. You know, Charles White, though, he was running behind, uh, you know, the five you know, blocks of granite, you know. And, and I think that's been the situation with some of these Alabama running backs coming into the, you know, the NFL. Uh, I'll tell you, um, last year the Giants were using a four-man committee at running back. Uh, it's not all their fault. There's still some line issues there. Uh, it'd be nice just to go from that to having a real stud like, a, like Ezekiel Elliott, having – what do they call him, Zeke? Does he have a nickname? <laughs> it's Zeke, not a big Zeke. deal. Hey, believe Zeke. me, he starts pounding the rock for the Giants. I'll, I'll call him Sir. I'll call him whatever he wants. <laughs> you know. And uh, I, I mean, the Giants. Uh, I'd love to if he dropped to number ten. I'd love to see them get him. Uh, but there's a lot of other good guys. I'd be very happy about. Now, I, I think Jalen Ramsey is a very interesting prospect because. Uh, Maybe a little. I think he's better. He might have more upside than this guy, and he's pretty, pretty good player in his own Antrell Roll, because Antrell Roll played corner and then moved to safety. And right. I think with some of these teams, if you're a corner who could play, or you know, if you're a safety who could play corner, that, that that's great because it kind of gives them a third 
corner already on the field if they need one. And the way right. you play the NFL now with so many of these three wide receiver sets, right. if you have a guy like that, that's very valuable. And I yep. remember, I don't know if it still is the case, but in Arizona, they had the two starting corners, of course, who were pretty good. And they and both of their safeties had played corner. Yep. So that gave them very good coverage. I mean, as long as the guy could still do the run support, that's a very valuable uh, you know, asset for a defense. So uh, I, I like that about Ramsey, you know, so uh, maybe play him a safety, but, you know, kind of have him, you know, uh, you know, A-OK to line up on a guy in the slot. I, I, I think that's a, that's a very valuable asset possibly. Okay. And, and uh, um, another one of these, um, I wouldn't say cookie cutter running backs that don't pan out. Um, in the NFL, Jeff, and, and, and I'm never too high on these guys when they come into the NFL. I'm always suspect because of how the program, the college program, always uh, pushes out outstanding offensive linemen. Um, and then, quite naturally, the, the uh, running backs, um, in my opinion, have bloated numbers. And I'm talking about um, running backs coming out of the University of Wisconsin. So, um, and, and, uh, the, the way they, they've, they've uh, panned out in the, um, um, in the, in the NFL, uh, and the last to do that is no, no other than the one that's in, in San Diego right now, the Melvin Gordon. And I think the, the, um, jury is still out on him. Um, I think he's determined, uh, to right the wrong that was, um, that happened to him, not to him, but that uh, he didn't pan out uh, over 700 yards with no, no, a, a big donut, didn't score one touchdown all year. That's that's amazing. He's got to be the only running back in the history without getting a serious injury and not being able to play. Drafted in the first round. I can't think of another one that didn't score one <laughs> touchdown for their team in their rookie year. So I've never heard that before. That's like, that's unheard of. So, and that's what I think of Wisconsin running backs. Uh, you have to be real suspect because um, those, those um, teams like uh, teams like Iowa, uh, uh, Wisconsin and, and, and the like, they have their, their offensive linemen, Factories, they push one of their their fortes is bringing offensive linemen. Got our NFL ready, ready, and especially in Wisconsin, you have to be suspect of running backs because they're running through huge holes versus the smaller holes that are in the NFL, and that's what, in my opinion, they don't pan out. Anyway, let's move on to number uh, eight in the draft where Cleveland is. And I don't know if Cleveland's going to stay there, but they're, for all intents and purposes, for this for this mock, they're still in the eighth hole. Uh, and I and, and 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 Jeff, this is a surprise here. This is a surprise here. All right, you would think Cleveland. Uh, it could go several ways too. They could possibly, and I would call this a reach, go get their quarterback in Paxton Lynch. I don't think they do that. They could go. Uh, for an outside linebacker who hasn't been taken, who who's, uh, uh, some say has a suspect knee, 
as need the ticking time bomb to, for for a quote I saw on the, on the, on the internet somewhere. Uh, I'm talking about Miles Jack. Or they could go for a surprise. And the reason I say this is a surprise in most people's eyes, and but it wouldn't be a surprise for me because I I I I, uh, I got a man crush on this guy because the fact is I really like the way he uh, uh, runs his team, uh, especially the offense. Uh, Hugh, Hugh Jackson is a uh, a guy that you know what his offense is all about. He's going to run the football. That's his main. That's his thing. When he was with um, the team, the other teams in Cincinnati, when he was with Baltimore, when he was with the uh, Raiders, his thing: run the football and then take shots down the field uh, with a, a quarterback uh, and not expose the quarterback too much. Uh, uh, and I, I have a strange feeling. It's a gut feeling. I probably be, be proven wrong on draft day. Um, that Hugh Jackson moving down, and with all this play, and it's gonna it's gonna be really depending on whether um, uh, 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 what that really what Dallas does. If Dallas doesn't take Ezekiel Elliott, I would not be surprised at all. Especially the way Hugh Jackson uh, formulates his offense, running the ball with a stud running back, with a guy that can block, he can catch the football, and he's a very good runner. He never comes off the field and base your defense on that. I mean, base your offense on that and, and have him draft Ezekiel Elliott. So I'm calling for a surprise. If he sits there and, and, and at number eight and – um. Cleveland Browns don't move from number eight. Um, and uh, Ezekiel Elliott is still there. I would not be totally surprised if he took Ezekiel Elliott um, because you gotta, he has to build uh, the team from the ground up. And you build from the ground up, you start with the ground game, and you need you need a running back. He's got a supposedly a bridge um, quarterback, or maybe not. And Robert Griffin III, he's more than likely going to get a quarterback in the second round, and he's probably got an eye who he wants to get in the second round, um, who may be there. And I think he probably we probably will be there, um, and uh, he'll he'll go from there. So I'm I'm calling for him to take Ezekiel Elliott there. On uh, in the ninth, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think they're going to take take a cornerback. They need help on the backside of their defense, uh, and I think they're going to take Vernon Hargreaves. Uh, from the um, University of Florida, New York Giants, number 10. Uh, they like big boys. So I'm thinking they're going to go to the offensive side because they loaded up in free agency on the defensive side of the ball. So they need somebody to help uh, uh, protect Eli Manning. So I think they're going to go with a, a really uh, rough and tough guy that, that is a mauler, and that's Jack Conklin, Conklin from Michigan State. Um, I think uh, the – Chicago Bears going to go on the defensive side of the board. They, they want to shore up their uh, their linebacking position, and I think they take outside line, linebacker Leonard Floyd. Uh, one, two, three. And then and it, uh, I think uh, we're going to stay on the defense because this is a defense-heavy draft. And I think the uh, New Orleans Saints take Sheldon Rankins from Louisville with the defensive tackle. What's your thoughts on those next five picks, Jeff? 
You know, uh, I think the Cleveland Browns, based on the changes they made in their front office, bringing in, um, I forget his name, that gentleman from the New York Mets, um, uh, I think that makes Paul, them a very Paul unpredictable. That's right. Thank you. That uh, that makes them a very interesting team. They're going to think do things a little differently. Yep. They're, they're trying to use, uh, you know, the uh, analytics. Uh, some of the, sh- the analytics. Yeah, boy, I can't think of anything today. Thank you. I almost it's called okay. it Dianetics. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, they're not using Dianetics. That's Scientology. You don't want to mess with that. Only, right. only rich people could, rich celebrities could be uh, Scientologists. But yeah, right. I, I really think now, now teams have this formula for trading picks, but you know this isn't an absolute. It varies from team to team. So uh, if I mean, I think you know, if Elliott's on the board, the Browns could take him. But if they don't, if there's not a guy they love at the eighth pick, I, I think there's a good chance they're gonna they could trade down and pick up some more picks because sure. they're they're very depleted. They got a lot of needs, uh, but it all comes down to whether you trade up or you trade down. You got to pick the right guys because because you know it could be a great deal either way. But if you don't pick the right guy or guys, you're gonna look shabby. So. Uh, I think the Browns might have made themselves one of those interesting, unpredictable teams. I mean, uh, Giants, I've heard, if he's still on the board, they can get Ronnie Stanley, uh, uh, or more likely Conklin, I think. Um, I'll tell you, um, the only knock on, uh, he might not be running, Miles Jack is coming off an injury, which, right. you know, it happens. Every Every football player gets injured. But, you know, Giants have so much trouble with injuries. I mean, even more than most teams, you don't want to. My thing is, you don't want a guy who's injured right off the bat, you know. But I'm needless to say, they, you know, they inspect these guys like you wouldn't believe. I right. mean, I really think the Giants' draft philosophy is focused on defense on the front four and the back four, because they haven't drafted a linebacker in the first round since Carl Banks, and that goes way back to '84. Mm. Hey, wow, yeah. good pick, yeah. yeah. And at yeah. the time, people said, hey, we're pretty good at linebacker. And then uh, I think by his third year, people realized that, uh, you know, he was a real stud at linebacker. So um, you, you can't go wrong with, with great talent. And uh, you hate to reach, you know, and you really want to draft for talent, not need. Because that's what the free agency for is is, is more for need. Um, and uh, But there's a couple guys stuck out to me. I don't think he'll be around if the Laramie Tunsil was around. That'd be great for the Giants. And the Giants kind of have a, a tradition with University of Mississippi. And these are things you notice about the teams you know well. I mean, when the Giants uh, in the early 2000s, they, they had three linemen from Notre Dame. I mean, what are the odds yep. of that? You know? And yeah, yep. sometimes sometimes the scouts have good relations with certain schools. And, of course, the, the big-time schools, they send a few guys to every NFL team. But sometimes – you know they'll send more than a few to certain teams because of those scouting relationships. It's it's uh, there's some of those connections happen in the NFL. You know, and, and I, I, with the Giants, I, I just want them to get a stud. You know, uh, there's a couple other guys. Uh, the guy, uh, another guy from Mississippi, uh, uh, Laquan Treadwell. Hey, welcome aboard. If they draft him, I don't think it's a reach. Um, you know, uh, so there's. Like I said, I think it makes drafting easier when you got multiple needs, and that's that's what they got. And you you can't go wrong with talent. People were criticizing Dallas a few years ago 
for drafting offensive linemen in the first round. I mean, those guys are, are, are real studs. I mean, yep. th- th- that's, that's the solid way you build a squad. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, how can these people criticize them for that? And it's worked out pretty well. It has worked out very well. I forget the, the center that they, they picked out in the first round, and they got lambasted royally. Zach Martin, is that the guy's a, name? I forget the guy's name, but yeah. he turned out to be a stud and, and the anchor of that uh, offensive line oh, that everybody's definitely. raving about. Everybody's raving right? about now. Should, what, what, yeah, I think was, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah I he, mean, exactly. It, I mean, yeah, they, they weren't reaching for guys. They were getting good, solid talent, and I'm just scratching my head. Why are people knocking them, you know? Right. And right. probably one of the smartest things they've done as a team in decades, yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, because of um, Jerry Jones uh, acquiescing to his uh, son and letting his son uh, do his thing versus Jerry doing his impulse impulse um, drafting, uh, which hadn't worked out until he realized maybe my son knows a bit more than I do and uh, uh, letting him do it, and it seems like it's been working out. So uh, I have to wait and see because I'm, I'm, I'm extremely, and, and I have to believe this, uh, depending on where the, the Dallas Cowboys pick, um, uh, some of these other players that they supposedly were going to go high within the five, first five may go into um, less um, back after the first five. I mean, first five. Maybe go five to ten, or you know, everybody's going to be moved down. Um, um, or everybody's moved down now because of, you know the first two picks are going weren't going to be originally quarterbacks. Now you know they are. So uh, so every every the whole draft has been basically shifted. And if they start doing more um, trading, it which is not out of, out of the realm before or after the draft starts. Um, then every everything can, can be uh, all bets off. Then you know everybody's going to have to readjust their draft board. All right, Jeff. Well, we come to the end of the show. Uh, I want to really appreciate you um, um, calling in today and, and uh, help me reminisce about, unfortunately, a, an icon in the music industry and in, in the world, I should say, uh, a celebrity. Not just he was he was more than a musician to a lot of people. Uh, Prince uh, did a lot of things um, unbeknownst to a lot of people uh, that are coming out now uh, about what he did, even though um, no one, he never pushed for any kind of recognition because he he wasn't that type of guy. Uh, I appreciate you uh, calling calling in and and, uh, helping me reminisce about that. Uh, But uh, if you have something to say uh, other than what I pushed out there and other what you didn't say within the last hour, uh, please do so now, and then we can get out of here. I'll say how Prince ended his his very famous movie, Purple Rain, to you and to all the listeners. May you live to see the dawn. Very well said, Jeff, and I appreciate you. And I'll talk to you on, on Thursday, 8 p.m. People, 8 p.m., Thursday night, this coming Thursday night, which is the first night of the NFL draft, we will be on for two hours. Uh, we're going to go as far as we can go in the draft for two hours, talk about each pick and what we think about what's, what's, the, what's the going to uh, do for the team and also do for um, especially these offensive players in, in fantasy. So we're going to go uh, and ha- have some fun, uh, uh, really have some fun on, on Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. With that being said, I started the show 
with uh, the sign of the times, Brian Prince. And guess what? I'm going to end the show. See you next week. Thank you.